Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy uh, once again coming to you. This is now our 22nd podcast, and we are so delighted uh, to be with you, and we want to welcome all our listeners, all of you that are tuning in, again, whether it be your first, second, third, fourth time, as you have been following us uh, and following these teachings as, that we began. We've actually been on the story of of Lazarus, which we have called the Lazarus Effect for the last two weeks, about the last 10, 11 days, uh, the Lord has had us in this story. And really out of this, uh, out of this story, there's so much, not just information for the sake of information, but so much revelation is coming out concerning the times that we are living. And I believe on this holy week, uh, on this week of Passover, I believe God is allowing us an opportunity to really ponder and really reflect on where we are at and what really Passover is about. And the last few days, we've been gleaning from, from the story of Lazarus, from the act of Martha to the resurrection of Lazarus, from the, pointing, uh, the pouring of the, uh, of the oil on the feet of Jesus, we've been gleaning so much information concerning what God has for us and what is about to take place even as we speak. So I pray that you are following us. I pray that you have your your word, your Bible with us, and follow us in this hour as, as God is speaking to us in this hour. And I pray that you're blessed and that you tell others about what is happening and what God is saying in this hour. So let us jump into our Bible study today. We are excited about what God is going to do. And again, it's always a pleasure uh, to be around amongst uh, men of God, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, and Brother Marty, and to be able to share the word together with all of us. So Brother Marty, I'll let you take it from here. Well, praise the Lord. Podcast number 22, and and it's, it's quite amazing what the Lord has done. And we're excited to get into the word today as uh, it is April the 9th. It is Thursday. Tomorrow's Good Friday as we celebrate it in the West. But the truth is, is that last night, uh, the Jew, the Jewish people around the world celebrated their Seder, their Passover, according to the Hebrew calendar. Passover for them was last night. And in our traditions, we celebrate it uh, on a Good Friday where we celebrate or reflect on the on the crucifixion of the lord <laughs> and then early sunday morning we celebrate what we call the the, the resurrection or or the uh, the easter service as they like to call it but today we're going to get into into uh into the lord's passover the lord's supper uh because yesterday we talked about jesus riding into the jerusalem identifying himself with two different prophecies. One is Zechariah 9, verse 9, where he he rides on the cults and comes into Jerusalem, presenting himself as the humble servant of God who would come as the Messiah. And then in John chapter 12, we see how he he has the opportunity to be accepted as the king as they're waving palm branches, which was a figure and a type of the Feast of Tabernacles. But the Lord refuses to enter into that. He didn't reject the prophecy of the of the of the waving of the palm branches. He simply would tell his disciples, "It's not time yet. I need to fall into the ground. I need to die. I need to resurrect so that much fruit can be birthed 
because that is the symbol of the Feast of Tabernacles, and you need to go back and listen to it, which was yesterday's podcast to understand what we're talking about, because Jesus was going to ascend into heaven, and then he would present the fruit of the harvest at a later Feast of Tabernacles to be celebrated in heaven itself, which we believe is represented in Revelation chapter uh, 7 and verse 9. But today, this as the story continues to unfold, it brings us to where we are right now, which is John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, we begin to see the unfolding of the Passover dinner. Uh, Tradition calls it the Last Supper. Uh, It is is within this Passover, because that's really what the Passover is. They call it, uh, you know, there's a whole season of Passover, but the actual Passover is is a dinner. It's a ceremony. And in it, we are going to see by the by the grace of the Lord some very profound things, and we need to to take a look at that now. And and what we're going to do is first read uh, John chapter thirteen, verse one through four. So if you have your Bibles, I would suggest that you get them out because I think you're going to hear some things today that you've never heard before, and that the Lord is revealing by His grace and His Spirit some very very incredible things that are just ahead of us. And that they have, that have had their uh, <clears throat> their meaning and their ultimate fulfillment concealed in the scriptures until such a time as we find ourselves in now. So I'm going to begin to read it, John chapter 13, beginning with verse one. <clears throat> it says this: Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was come from God, and that he was going back to God, he rose from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel, and he girded himself. So in verse 2 is where we want to start our teaching today. We're going to draw our attention from verse 2. And I want to draw your attention to the fact that, that the time of the Passover had come. And notice what what is said here in verse 2. It says, supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. We're going to focus on this. Because in Judas, we see a foreshadow, if you will, of an end-time false church. A church that, that the book of Thessalonians, the second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 tells us, is a church that will fall away in the last days. That a falling away of the church would have to take place before the wicked one could be revealed, and before the unfolding of the book of Revelation in its completeness, and before the second coming of the Lord. And so it's interesting here, as we're looking at Passover and the mysteries that are contained therein, we see something the way John writes it when he says that the Passover supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. We have been talking over the last several podcasts about the very interesting symbolic similarities when we looked at the symbolism of the Lazarus story, the Mary, Martha, Simon, and Lazarus story of chapter 12, the coming into Jerusalem, all occurring around the Passover season. 
it's leading to this time now where we are right now, up until the Passover Seder, which indeed took place last night for the Jewish world. But we were saying that as the scripture teaches us that what we see in the beginning shall be portrayed in the end. In other words, the spirit and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19, verse 10. And so we're applying that prophetic insight given to us in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10, to the scriptures as we're unfolding them now in our time. And so we believe, as we have been teaching, and you need to go back and listen to these podcasts, that the Passover is a very significant and prophetic event, and that throughout history, many Passovers have signaled prophetic events unfolding. And again, go back and listen, and you'll, and you'll hear those examples that we gave before. To understand fully what's interesting here in verse 2 is that supper has ended, and now our attention is drawn to the fact that Judas already has in his heart to betray the Lord. But he hasn't done it yet, but in essence, he represents a church that has fallen away. And we believe as we get into this, we're going to see some things that I think will astound you. Listen, in order to fully understand what I'm talking about, we need to look at two particular Passover-like events, which we haven't covered yet. And in order to do that, we need to go all the way back to the beginning, because it's there that we're going to see what the Bible tells us. The unfolding of the end has always been being declared from the beginning. So in order to do that, because we're talking about two Passover-like events, if Passover is much more prophetic than we've understand it, then there should be symbolisms of the Passover hidden throughout Scripture, which we've been discussing. But the symbolism of the Passover has existed since the very beginning of the Bible, since the very opening of the Scriptures. And so let's go back and take a look at that real quick, and we're going to look at things, and we're going to bring it up to date and show you, by the grace of God and His Spirit for the glory of the Lord, what God was actually saying and what was actually happening as we begin way back in the beginning, way back in the garden. The Bible tells us that there will be an end-time church that falls away. And we believe that according to the scripture, as we look at the story, that in the very beginning, we have that picture already being presented to us. And I want to show you something in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, we're told something. We're told that out of the ground, the Lord caused every tree that is pleasant to the sight to grow, which is good for food. And in and and also he put the tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river is flowing out of Egypt and it parts and becomes four heads. So from this idyllic setting, the Garden of Eden, we have incredible symbolism. Notice that we have the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and a river flowing out from it. That river represents the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. Now, God places Adam and Eve in this garden. In essence, we can say that Adam and Eve is like the first church, the first humans, the first church. And what we see in the tree, I mean, in the, in the garden, is the tree of life. 
And it's very interesting because now I'm talking to spiritual people and you need to, if you need to pause and think about this and do it. But what we see reflected in the very first things that we're being told is that in a garden is a tree of life and there is the first church represented by Adam and Eve. It is like that if you consider that when you read the gospel account of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, it is a woman who comes into a garden and there she meets the Lord. This tree of life was symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so the church began that way. For the tree of life is symbolized by not only Christ's, the Lord's cross, but also his resurrection. He became the one who gives life to all. And so the church begins in the garden. Adam and Eve began in the garden. And it was a prophecy of how a church would be would would have access to the tree of life beginning in a garden, just as it was when Mary met the gardener, so she thought, in the garden. In essence, though, he was the tree of life. However, we see something else. We see in Genesis chapter 3 that there's another tree. There's a serpent in that tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he begins to seduce Adam and Eve, representative of the very first church. He begins to seduce them away from the tree of life. He says, you shall be as gods. And they fall away. So hidden just in the beginning of Genesis is a story of a church that begins with Jesus only to be seduced and fall away from the tree of life. Brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you right now is that this is what we see happening. This is what has happened in our time. And this is something as we go further into this that we're going to see something profound is beginning to be revealed again remember this we're looking for a passover event because we believe that the passover that we're experiencing now is not just any other passover we've talked about it ad infinitum but many events have transpired chief of which is that the entire earth the entire planet is under lockdown the whole world has been shaken at a passover season And so we are looking for prophetic events in Passover typology that would tell us, are we living in that time? When they first start, they start in the garden. The church started well. It started in the garden. It had access to the tree of life. But it began over time to be seduced by a serpent in the tree, a serpent that offered them everything. You shall not die. You shall be as gods. You shall be rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You'll be just like God. That's what he began to seduce them away from. And when they partook of that other tree, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, something happened. It says that the eyes of both of them were opened, and suddenly they knew they were naked. They were uncovered. The glory departed from them because they chose not to exclusively partake of the tree of life and forsake the subtle temptation of the enemy in the other tree. 
Instead, they partook by his seduction. And when they did, suddenly they were uncovered. Suddenly they were naked. Suddenly the glory departed. Brothers and sisters, we have witnessed the same thing in our time. We have seen the church over the last 2,000 years coming out of the 20th century into the 21st century start right. We've had revivals. We've had great men and women of God. We've had the cross of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed. But something began to happen to the church in the middle part of the 1950s, if you will. In the United States of America, it's as if she began to be seduced away from her exclusive access to the pure tree of life represented by the gospel of Jesus Christ and began to be taken away and seduced. And over time, over the last multiple decades, she has gone deeper and deeper into that as she partook of another tree. She was seduced by the devil, and she, in all, for all intents and purposes, just as Adam and Eve, the glory lifted and they became uncovered, so the church in this hour, the glory has lifted from it, and it has become uncovered. They were naked, and they sought to cover themselves with fig, fig leaves. That's what Adam and Eve did. And the church in this hour seeks to cover itself with works of its own making. They seek to do it, whether it be in their mega churches, in their mega ministries, in their in their giant uh, loud concert halls, in their books and tapes and clubs. Con- they make their own glory. But still, it has become apparent to those that are spiritually discerning that that church has become uncovered and the glory has departed because it has partaken of another tree. It has fallen away. It fell away from the first tree. And this is what prophecy predicts. It predicts that in the end time, a church will fall away. In the garden, the very first church fell away, and the glory has departed it. We had to see a falling away first. That's what Apostle Paul told the church at Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. Because they thought Jesus was going to come right then. But he said, no, understand this, that in the last days, then, he said, there must come a falling away first. And the falling away would be tied, uh, inextricably tied to the revealing of that man of sin. Now listen, we see this portrayed in the garden, and we're talking about two Passover-like events. Because when they fell, what happens? God has to slay a lamb and cover them with skin. It was as if that there, to put a pause button on it, he began to say that I'm going to provide a lamb in the future. That is Passover-like. In essence, the very first Passover was at the fall of Adam and Eve. It's a trigger. It's a signpost. Now, this church, just like our original parents, has fallen away, 
and the glory has departed, and it's how we know. It's a sign to us upon whom the ends of the world have come that the, that our original parents, so to speak, rejected the tree of life, just like the church in this last days has rejected the true gospel. It has partaken of another tree. It has happened after the working of Satan, who has slithered his way into the church and seduced everything from her, from her prophet to her priest to her people in the pew, and the glory has departed, and they have covered themselves with something other than the glory of God. The Lord covers them with skins, which was a prophecy of a future Calvary, of a future Passover. And he predicted to them in Genesis where he talks, he's talking to the devil himself, and he says, you're going to bruise his heel. And we've talked about that in the past podcast. He says, but he's going to bruise your head. He's going to bruise your head. And it's a signal to us upon whom the ends of the world have come, that when we see the glory depart, when we see a church cumbered about making fig leaves to cover itself for for the lack of its spirituality, if you will, when we see a church not access the tree of life anymore, but choose to access the other tree, which really has that serpent all up in it, and the glory departs, it becomes uncovered, and it becomes, it tries to cover itself. He, that's when God gives the prophecy of a coming lamb that's going to come and destroy the whole system. Now listen, what does the Lord do? He banishes them from the garden, right? He banishes them from the tree of life. The church in this hour that's going to come out of this pandemic and out of this Passover season, because the first Passover took place in the garden, it's a signal, it's a prophetic type surrounding all the events that happened there. They don't understand it yet, but this church that's coming out of this Passover, that's coming out of this pandemic, they don't understand it yet. But this false church is being banished from the tree of life. How do you know that, Brother Marty? Because their churches are closed. They no longer have access to the church house And it's a symbol, if you can see it, that God is speaking to that church and says, the glory has departed and you are now banished, symbolically speaking, because the churches are shut from access to the tree of life anymore. Now, listen, that's the first Passover. But then years go by and we see another second Passover type event. Because once Adam and Eve is banished, once they fall away, once they no longer have access to the tree of life and God shuts access to it, which we believe is symbolic of an end-time church that will reject the tree of life, the glory will depart from it, which we've seen over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And and it's become what it's become. It's sown fig leaves as a pseudo-expression to cover its, its obvious nakedness and lack of the presence of God upon its life. And and when you see an event during a Passover-like season represented by God slaying the lamb and trying to cover them with those skins and covering them with those skins, the prophecy comes forth and says, there's one coming that's going to destroy the head that 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 destroyed you. The one that you went after, that's, that serpent in the tree, it's a prophecy. It's an indication for those who have eyes to see. And so he banishes them from the garden. And I'm telling you, we're coming out of this situation, and they'll they'll act like they're going to act but they're going to produce something. And we'll get into that in a second. 
They'll act like they're going to act, but the glory has departed. And access to the true tree of life is from now on under the second coming of the Lord going to be, uh, will not be allowed to be given to them because they have so rejected the tree of life and partaken of another tree. And so God banishes them and, and shuts the door to access. I think that's what we're witnessing right now in the fact of this nation, that every single church house will be shut on the very day where we celebrate the resurrection of the true tree of life. Now listen, this brings us to the next event in Genesis chapter 4. I call it the Cain and the Abel event. It's a second Passover. It's a second Passover-like event. Right. Because remember, in chapter 4, Adam and Eve, it says, had been banished from the garden. But look at what's produced out of Eve. Very, very first thing that happens after she's banished, a type of the end-time church, after she no longer has the glory, after she no longer has access to the tree of life, she's banished, the, the, the doors are shut, she has no more access to that tree. The very first thing we're now alerted to after that, prophetically speaking as well, remember, that's what we're talking about. Adam, and Eve, Adam knows his wife, she conceives, but what does she bear first? She bears Cain. Cain, right. There must come a falling away first, then that wicked one shall be revealed. Do you understand? Yeah. Yes. Wow. So the, so the Cain and the Abel event is a prophecy. The fact that once Adam and Eve are banished from the tree, the door shut for access to the symbol of the true gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory departed, a church surrounded by its own works, represented by the fig leaf, goes forth and is no longer have access not only to the garden, not only to the tree of life, but to the river that flows out from that garden. No more access to the real spirit of God either. And so they're banished. And then chapter four begins with an acceleration of understanding because now this fallen away Eve, this fallen away Adam, when they conceive and what they're going to conceive now, absent from access to the tree of life, is Cain. Oh. Cain is born. Yes. Because because the scripture tells us, except there come a falling away first. Remember, what we yeah. see in Abel is a Passover hint, right? Because right. why do I say the second event is like a Passover prophecy and why I'm connecting it now, if you have ears to hear, eyes to see. Because what's acceptable is that two churches are going to emerge here. The pattern of Cain, the pattern of Abel. Abel is the true church of his time. For he approaches God with the true means of doing, of doing so. <laughs> he, he, he offers a lamb. That's Passover, right? He slays a lamb and offers it to God. That's what you do every Passover. It's a hidden prophecy within the Passover types that we're looking at. And it's a signal to us that it's quite possible coming out of this Passover season where we have witnessed events of a global nature that have shaken the world and that have shut the door to the church houses in America, that we are literally seeing the beginning for those who are spiritually discerning and have eyes to see of the banishment of the false church from access to the spirit and to the gospel. And the two churches are going to be emerging now. One is like Abel, who is filled with the gospel and approaches God by way of the, the right way. And then the false church is going to be revealed. It produces 
that wicked one. And it will rise up to persecute the true church, just as Abel rose up, as Cain rose up to persecute Abel. And remember what he does. <clears throat> he kills his brother in the field. This is a type of the tribulation period. Right. And what happens when that happens during this persecution of the Cain and the Abel symbology we see, what does God do to Cain? He gives him a mark on his forehead, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. This is what's coming next. For the book of Revelation predicts that a mark will be given to a false church initiated by a false prophet to align itself and to, and to in intertwine itself with a global system, a satanic system. So we see a falling away first, represented by Adam and Eve, and then we see that wicked one revealed, represented by Cain, if you can see it. Now, this brings us back to John chapter 13. And go over there real quickly, brothers, if you, if you don't mind. John chapter 13. Yes. Because that's what we believe is coming out of this. That is what we see when John says something. So that we can understand, we pray, by the Holy Spirit and his revelation in the knowledge of, of the things of Christ. When we look now at this Passover that Jesus, the Last Supper, if you will, it is very prophetic of our time. And, 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 and God has John write it in such a way that is very, very, very symbolic. When in verse 2 he says, supper being ended. What I'm telling you by the Spirit, and let's understand this by the Spirit is that it could very well be symbolic of a future event, bearing in mind what I just shared with you at the beginning. For God declares the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. We see the same pattern being fulfilled at the very first accounts in the garden with Adam and Eve and all the things we just discussed with Cain and Abel and the revealing of a wicked one. First there's a falling away, then there's a revealing of a wicked one. Now it begins to be fulfilled when Christ is on the earth in this Passover. Because the Bible says, supper being ended, verse 2, chapter 13, John, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him, Simon's son, to betray him. What is that symbolic about? It's, that, it's, it's a symbolic thing. It's a true historical narrative, but it's a prophetic thing that tells us a falling away takes, first, takes place first. Remember this. <laughs> Satan doesn't become the son of perdition until later in the story, right? But he's first revealed here after the, the celebration of the Passover here as one who already has in his heart to betray the Lord. That's a falling away. And so we see, if you can see it, the falling away represented by Judas right there. He's already in a fallen away condition, yet he's still hanging out with the boys, right? <laughs> so, so check this out. At this Passover event, let, let it be understood this, th that, that it's the same that's happening now. Because the church is like, like Judas was. They have fallen away. They have, they have lost the glory. They have become a false church that no longer honors nor cares to put Jesus Christ the central focus of all things. So we see this falling away represented in verse 2. But, but I want to share something with you now that I... That, that that's much deeper because something even more profound is being is being played out in john chapter 13 and i believe we're about to see what is actually happening here is 
is the unfolding and the unveil and the un and the unveiling, if you will, of the original falling of Lucifer. And in order to see this, we need to go to Isaiah 14, because that's what this Passover was all about. Jesus on the earth and the events that took place, as we're going to see in the next few minutes, perfectly mirror what happened in the original fall of Lucifer. And by God's grace and God's permission, we're going to go look at that. So look, turn over to Isaiah 14 if you have your Bibles, and we'll look at this real quick. Are you with me? Yes. Yes. All right. So Isaiah 14. Understand this, that the original fall of Lucifer, it is prophetically uh, portrayed and revealed in the Lord's Last Supper. And we're going to see it. And you're going to see it because it was meant to be seen. The thing that happened in heaven had to be replayed on the earth. Now listen, what's the first thing that Lucifer says? Well, let's look at verse 12. What are we being told here? In, in, in Isaiah 14, Old Testament, verse 12. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. First he says this, for I will ascend into heaven. Right? I will ascend yes. into heaven. So what's the first thing we see? We see Lucifer ascending into heaven. Now how do we see a parallel with that and the Passover that the Lord is celebrating at the supper? We see it because if you know your Bible, Jesus sent his disciples ahead of him to prepare the room. And you can look this up in Mark 14, verse 15, and Luke 22, 12 later. But Lucifer ascends up into heaven, and when Jesus sends his disciples, what does he tell them? Go to the man, tell him the Lord needs a place to celebrate his Passover, and what's he going to do? He's going to show you what? A large upper room. Room upper room right yes not the not the room on the ground but up high so the lord right. is speaking and revealing already because remember judas comes with them right right, he, right. Goes, he goes up into the upper room with them that's what the devil did he went up into the upper room of heaven that's how his fall begins and this is how judas is going to go from being Judas to the son of perdition. And this is how Lucifer is going to go from being Lucifer to being called Satan. Mm -hmm. He ascends into heaven and the disciples, Jesus and Judas ascend up into a large upper room. And, and the devil's intentions are revealed in heaven, just as Judas's intentions are revealed in the upper room. He says, I want to exalt my throne where? Above, above the stars. Yes, above the stars of God. Now listen to this. <laughs> His intentions are exposed. When when Lucifer ascends into this upper room, we, which is heaven, his his intentions are exposed. He wants to usurp authority over the stars of God. Now, Consider this, the phrase stars of God. 
the word stars really is is a poor translation and i'm going to show you why because in in calling it the stars of god it really hides what the word really means because the word stars is made up of two hebrew words and i was looking this up this morning and 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 listen to what it's, it, it it's made up of one word which is a hebrew word and we pronounce it like this kokab kokab k o k a b it's no state secret you can look it up yourself and Kabon, K-A-B-B-O-N. The word stars is made up of those two Hebrew words. And this is what they mean. It means, so kokab, kokab means Messiah. Kobon means builder. So really it should be read this way. I will go up into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the builder of God. That's really what it means. He's saying that he wants to overthrow God's Messiah, God's builder. Look it up. I ain't got time to to nurse all you people out there up to this point. Everybody say, you go look it up yourself and you'll see that's exactly what it says. And in I essence, just confirmed it, it does say that. Does it, it does say that, Brother Marty. I just confirmed it. Kabon, it means the builder. That's what it means. Yeah. The builder. And, yes and, and so literally that's how it should be it should actually be written this way right i will ascend into heaven i will exalt my throne above the builder of god oh my my my, my. Mm. Mm. listen you ever wonder why god sent the builder to destroy the the devil who's the builder wow. jesus jesus is the builder yes yes it was it was only right that he be the one who comes Okay, but that's for another day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so listen, because isn't it say that all things were made by him without, uh, yes. there was nothing made that was made that he didn't make, right? Uh, yes. Whether they be visible or invisible, whether they be thrones or principalities or powers seen or unseen, all things were made by him and for him, and he is above all things, and by him, the builder, all things consist. Hallelujah. What's being revealed here in this Passover that Jesus celebrated, Satan puts in Judas's heart to try and overthrow the builder again. And it's represented by the fact that they went into a large upper room. They're replaying the story and they don't even know it. The devil went yeah, right. into a large upper room, right? He goes into heaven and he, <laughs> he, he tries to usurp the builder. The yes. star of God, the, the Messiah of God, the builder of God, of Elohim. Just as Judas was exposed as being the one who would seek to bring down the builder, that is Jesus. Note the parallel, yes. right? Ju Judas ascends into the upper room with them. Satan ascends into heaven. His intention is looking for an opportunity to destroy the, 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 the Messiah. Satan goes up and says, I want to I usurp his throne. I want to destroy the builder's throne. I want to sit where he sits. Yes. But let's, but let's add a little so we're, bit. We're in, essence, we're in essence seeing a miniature uh, a picture of what took place in eternity past playing out uh, in Jesus' day, right? So Jesus' the Holy Spirit is, Yeah, and in, in Jesus' Passover, in the upper room. So it's, yes. we're getting insight uh, by the Holy Spirit um, of what it what it might have looked like 
when Satan tried to uh, really betray and rebelled against God. And, and, and remember, Job uh, gives us an insight of how things happen in heaven. He said, now there was a day when the sons of God, right, came yes. to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Yes. Right? So, exactly so we see right. that picture with, with Jesus and his disciples, and then you have Satan right there, right? And Satan entered in, in the, Judas. In the, in the form of Judas, right? He, he enters right. the upper room with them. He comes and presents himself with the disciples before the Lord, right? And he's in right. the upper room. But he's got treachery in his heart, just like Lucifer had treachery in his heart and sought to overthrow God's builder, God's only begotten son, the son of the living God. That's what he was trying to do. Right. And that's yes. why Jesus says, I saw Satan fall. Hallelujah. Yes. Saw yes. fall yes. like yes. lightning, man. That's oh, what he said, God. right? And that's what we're well, seeing in this. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's a principle in the Bible that whatever happens on earth first happens in heaven. You know, when Jesus would pray yes. things like, let your will be done as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. So everything mm-hmm. we see in the earth is already happened in the in the heavens. Yes, that's right. So, and it's be, but it's being portrayed out, and we ain't got to, this is so deep. We ain't got time to get into some of the really more profound points. I'm just trying to stir people and understand this: that God is revealing to us in this Passover season, as we laid it out to begin with, something much more profound is going on, and it's being signaled to us that we have reached the end and have seen it since the beginning just as the scripture says we have reached a passover season that is unlike any in my lifetime or really in the history of the world since jesus went to heaven we haven't seen a passover like this and it could very well be a signal with the symbolism of the churches being shut and all that stuff we've already discussed that 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 wicked one is soon to be revealed and a false church a Cain-like church, an Abel-like church is going to be revealed. A Judas-like church who it says after supper ends, Satan already is in his heart. That's a type of the falling away of the church in the last days. And it could very well be that just like it's noted there in the Lord's Last Supper, his last Passover before he would go away, it was to signal us a generation in the future that would have some unusual, profound, strange events take place at a Passover that we are about to see coming out of this Passover after supper is ended, we're going to see a church that has fallen away. And that also is to alert us that there's coming a wicked one right behind them. But let's keep looking. So we see his intentions exposed. I want to exalt myself above the, 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 the builder of God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But where does he choose to do it? I will sit I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. Listen. What does that mean? The mount is heavenly Jerusalem. And we see the same parallel in this Passover because where were they? They were in Jerusalem. At the heavenly mount. It's Passover, that's where they're supposed to go. It's Mount Moriah. It's it's the it's the city of Jerusalem. And so we see it being played out. He goes to sit in the mount. But look at the next word. It says, the mount of the congregation. The word congregation there in the Hebrew is the word moed, M-O-W-E-D. 
and look at what that means. It means the place of the appointed sacred festival. <laughs> wow. Hallelujah. Wow. That's good. Ah! <laughs> Lord of God. You can't make this up, man. <laughs> and I know people out there are going, what? Why are you so freaking out, right? No. But <laughs> okay, so look. Let's not get too carried away here, Marty. All right, look. So what do we see? <laughs> what do we see? Do we see the same parallel? Yes. There's a large upper room, just like Satan ascends into heaven. The disciples and Judas ascend up into the upper room. Satan's intentions are exposed in Isaiah 14, saying, I want to overthrow or overthrow the, the builder of God, the stars of God, which really is represented, which really means the Messiah or the builder of God. And I want to do it on the holy mountain itself, which is in Jerusalem in heaven. There's the Jerusalem on the earth, which is where they were when Judas comes into the upper room, just like Satan went up into heaven. But the mount of the congregation is that special meeting place where apparently in eternity past, they celebrated a sacred festival. Just as they were celebrating the sacred festival of Passover, when they go up into the upper room and Satan's intention through Judas are exposed and he's seeking to overthrow them. And it's all going to happen at a place where an appointed sacred festival would occur. Just like Brother uh, Fernando pointed out, in Job, right, he said, you know, there's a day when, when they're called as a congregation to present themselves before God. And we're getting this picture here of what is actually happening at the Lord's Passover. The whole thing is being replayed amongst men because Satan had, had moved into Judas's heart. That's the only way he can express himself. He couldn't overthrow him in heaven. And so now he has this opportunity to do it now. Again, but the wisdom of God, the concealment of God, the way that he moves, the way that he brings things to pass is so phenomenal that it takes, that's why Paul would pray, I pray to God that he would give you the spirit of, of knowledge and revelation and the knowledge of him, right? Yes, that you would yes. be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, in order that you could walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. He says, I will ascend to the holy mountain. This Passover Jesus was celebrating was at the holy mountain. I will sit on the congregate at the sides of the congregation. The congregation, the word means the place of the appointed sacred festival. He replayed the whole thing in this Passover that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples. The sides of the north. That represents. So what you're heaven. saying, Brother Marty, Brother Marty, and again, just just for the listener's sake, when Satan rebelled uh, in heaven, it was during a time of a feast, right? That was yes. being celebrated in heaven. Yes. So the same thing is playing out when Christ comes to earth, when Judas betrays him during an important feast. Yes. Coincidence? No. In right? Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem. And Where the temple what is. We're saying, what we're saying is everything that's <laughs> taking place with this pandemic during Passover could very well 
be setting up the stage for the yes. same thing to take place with the man of sin being revealed, right? Because we, we, we know that the system, this yes. Antichrist system is already in place. Yes. Right. It's it's being it's being maneuvered. It's being manifested, manufactured. Right. So yes. that's that's what we're saying. And and somebody might be saying, well, wait a minute. What does this have to do with the devil? It has everything to do with him, because <laughs> that's where it's all heading. Yes. Right. And remember. And, and there, that, go ahead. No, and that's no, and that's ahead. where we're headed. There is there is coming a clash between light and darkness. This is where this all of this is headed, right between yes. good and evil. The manifestation of two kinds of sons: the sons of yes. God, and the, right. We have the, the example of that. You spoke about it with Cain and Abel, yes. right? Yes. Those who have the spirit of Cain and those who have the spirit of Abel, right? Yes. This is what's taking place. If you have eyes to see, this is where we've been eyes. leading to. Yeah. Yes, this is what all these last 22 podcasts has been about, you know, to bring us to this point for hopefully those of you who have been on this journey uh, with us uh, have, have, have garnered a little bit of how it is that the Lord has taught us to look at the word, right? Because it's so full of revelation hidden. You know, the secret things belong to God, but the things which are revealed, they belong to us and to our children forever that we might observe Amen. to do the commandments of the Lord. And so we see the same scene that originally took place in heaven now playing out again in the Lord's final Passover. We so, Marty, can I interject something real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Um, something interesting as, as we've been following that Passover template is as we, as we look at the fall of Lucifer and you're connecting it to the Last Supper of our Lord, um, something interesting that I want to point out is I think Peter says it. he says before the foundations of the world, the lamb had been slain. Right. So in other words, after we see this rebellion of, of Lucifer, we understand that the only way the heavens could be cleansed was by was by um, sacrificing the lamb and by Jesus giving his only son. So we can kind of I guess we can kind of mirror the Passover uh, a template kind of to that as well. Right. Or, yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Absolutely. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because because the Passover is what we've been putting forth over the last few podcasts is, is that mm -hmm. we have classically been taught that it was fulfilled once and for all, that the Passover festival was fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. Right? They mm -hmm. said, okay, that's the Exodus. You know, the lamb that was slain in Exodus, the blood applied to the door. Okay, the cross is the lamb being slain and the blood being shed. Yes. But go on and dig deeper, because that's only a part of what Passover actually revealed to us. And like you said, yeah. that's incredible what you're saying, because that indicates and, and maybe gives us more light as to why such a statement would be made. If you're mm. considering the typology that we're talking about here, that the enemy ascended into an upper room, which, we are, which, which is called heaven, right? Uh, just as Judas ascends into an upper room with the disciples. He goes into a place that is appointed in heaven for a sacred festival. Judas goes up into the upper room, which is symbolic of heaven, which is appointed for the sacred festival of Passover. You see the thing being uh, repeated. And as a result of him being exposed in that upper room, it's going to lead to the death of the lamb. If that indeed happened, 
if something like that happened in what we're talking about in the ancient past, then it does hold true that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Wow. That's, yeah. that's incredible what you're saying, right? So that's what we're seeing in the Lord's Last Supper is that the lamb is now coming. Remember, he had just said earlier, yesterday we talked about it, now is this world judged. Now is the prince of the world. Not only has he been cast out of heaven, but by the very thing that I'm going to do now, I'm going to also cast him out of the world, and I'm going to cast him out of his authority that he once had. That's what the book of Hebrews says, that in the, in the, in the fact that the children were partakers of flesh and blood, right, he said the Lord himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. My Lord. Now listen. <laughs> so it's at that festival in heaven. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Amen. It's at that festival in, in – that was awesome, Jeremiah. At that festival in heaven that Lucifer becomes ex exposed, right? Because how does, how does that start, Isaiah 14, 12? How you are fallen, right? So Lucifer goes from being uh, uh, one who bears the light or looks like a light bearer, just as Judas was concealing himself amongst his brethren, though he had treachery in his heart. Satan had treacherous, treachery in his heart when he chose to go into the upper room of heaven to sit at the seat of the table of a sacred festival, but inside he had already fallen away. So he was a a pseudo bearer of the light, but he falls from there and is no longer Lucifer. He becomes the devil. That's what happened to Judas. He, he comes pseudo like a, like a disciple, but inside he's full of treachery. And when he leaves, by the time he leaves the upper room, he's no longer Judas. He is now the son of the devil, just like Lucifer was no longer Lucifer. He became Satan. So Judas was no longer Judas. He would become the son of perdition. And it's at that festival in heaven this happens, and it's at this Passover that it happens to Judas, just like it happened to Satan. And Satan is then cast out from heaven, and, and Jesus banishes Judas from the upper room. And, and it says in, in, in John chapter 13 that he, he, tells, him, he tells him to go away, and, and, and it says he, when he leaves, it says he goes out into the night. Very symbolic. It's dark, and Satan plunged the whole universe into darkness. But when is he exposed? Right. And you know your Bible, right? You know your Bible because remember this. <clears throat> there has to be a falling away first, and then the Apostle Paul reveals to us in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, then that wicked one will be revealed. That's why John starts with John chapter 13, verse 2, telling us that, that Judas has already fallen away. A falling away has to take place before the wicked one can be revealed. But we're going to see the wicked one. The discerning in the church in this hour are going to see him. We're going to know who he is. Well, how do you know that? We'll keep reading the story. Because Jesus begins to reveal to them that someone's going to betray him. Someone who eats bread with him is going to betray him. And, and, and they don't know who it is. But look what it says in John chapter 13, verse 23. It says, now there was leaning on the breast of Jesus, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. And Simon Peter says to him in verse 24, that he should ask him, uh, who is it that's going to betray him? He then, lying on Jesus' breast, whispers to the Lord, and he says, Lord, 
who is going to betray you? And Jesus answers him and says, it's going to be him who I shall give a sop to, a piece of bread, and I've dipped it in the oil. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. And after the sop, after Judas ate that, Satan enters into him and he becomes the son of perdition. And Jesus says, what you're going to do, go do it quickly. And he goes out into the night. He leaves the upper room. Now look at the progression here. What is being revealed here in this upper room, in this supper? We've always been taught that we're not going to know who he is, that, he, that God just put this information in the Bible for the tribulation saints, which is just so ridiculous. You've got to do such a tap dance to get there. But we're taking you through whole chapters of the Bible here, whole chapters, not a scripture here and a scripture there, and then bent to fit your, your pseudo doctrine here. Look at what happens. The Antichrist figure, Judas, the betrayer, is revealed to John. And that's exactly what Paul said would happen. There's a falling away first, and he says, then that wicked one will be revealed. The condition that we have that we already laid out at the beginning of this podcast of this church that has had the church doors shut to it, access to the tree of life, if you will, they are going to be banished. What is This is going to set the stage for that wicked one to be revealed, and there'll be a true church, as it's written here, the disciple who Jesus loved. It is to that disciple that Jesus reveals who the betrayer is. And so the church will have revealed to it, the glorious church will have revealed to it who the real Antichrist is. But notice, he was one of the Lord's disciples. Remember what John writes in 1 John where he says, they were not all of us, right? And some of them went out from us. You know that scripture I'm talking to you about? And he also yes. talks about in there being many antichrists, right? He talks about down through history, there's going to be many antichrists, but there's one coming, right? And he knew what he, he was remembering these things. But check this out. They were of us, but not, uh, they were amongst us, but they were not of us. See, I believe that the antichrist is going to present himself as some sort of religious guy. He's going to come out of, of a religious institution. He's going to look like one of us but he's really not and and maybe he won't be that way when we see him but he will have had his experiences amongst the people of god whether they be jew or gentile church it's going to be a revelation like that and peter asks john to ask the lord who it is that's why john writes in revelation 13 this is the mind that has wisdom right you know, you, you have to ask the Lord to give you the wisdom. All wisdom is hidden in the Lord. And John is literally saying that, that it, it's going to be revealed by Jesus. This Passover season could very well be triggering to us in the church, the church that loves the Lord with all their heart. We're, the, we're considered the old-fashioned ones, right? But that a church that loves the Lord with all their heart, I think also coming out of this, we're going to begin to have revealed to us who this dude really is and what is it and i warn you compromised backslidden uh you know living like the world so-called church members when judas ate bread from the lord from this point on he ate and drank to himself damnation he ate and drank of right. the cup and the bread of the lord unworthily and and he became 
filled with the devil. Now Judas goes out into the night. And let's close with this. Because I want to leave you on this heavy trip, right? Although it's heavy. But I just want to leave on this. Because once he's gone from the upper room out into the night and begins his work, which will ultimately lead to the Lord being crucified, which will ultimately lead to a Gethsemane experience, a trial, a Calvary, and a resurrection. He's out in the night working all that stuff. And we ain't got time to get into all that today, but he's gone. And then Jesus turns to his disciples. Because understand, brothers, the fact of what we've been putting forth here today, comparing it to the fall of Lucifer, which we believe this is a portrayal in the earth of what actually took place in the ancient heavens, Isaiah 14, 12, 13, and 14, that the same thing was playing out right here in their presence. It's such a heavy atmosphere. Can you imagine what the actual fall of Lucifer is happening again in the form of Judas in this upper room, in the earth? Imagine how heavy the atmosphere was. And once he leaves, I know it was heavy because verse chapter 14, verse 1, the first thing Jesus tells them is, do not let your heart be troubled. And God is telling the church right now, coming out of this pandemic, coming out of this Passover season, they're going to push to open the doors soon and everything's going to try and get back to normal, but it ain't going to be. But he wants us to understand, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, he tells them, I would have told you. But check this out. I go to build a place for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. I, I go to prepare a place for you. Why? If I go to prepare a place for you, what does he say? He reveals this in the upper room, right? At this last supper, he says, and he's talking to us now, I will come again. And I'm going to receive you unto myself. So that where I am, you can be also. Brothers and sisters, there is so much more in the Passover than we've ever understood, and God's beginning to reveal to it to us now. Much turmoil is on the face of the earth. The world is under lockdown. The doors of America's churches are shut, very symbolic, as we discussed earlier. But God has a church represented by his his true disciples, his the, the true loved ones. And in John, we see it, the disciple who he really loved. Church, you are so greatly loved right now. What's happening right now is, is a unique time in church history. It is conceivable that we are, and we believe that we are, that final church that will witness the return of the Lord and all the unfolding events that precede it. But he tells us, things are going to get rough, but do not be troubled. He says, I am preparing a place for you. I've gone to build you a house, basically, right? And he says, and I'm coming back to get you. I'm coming back to get you. That is our blessed hope. That is our Lord of glory. That is our great King. Even so, come quickly, Lord, is our prayer. Would you guys close this out? Amen. I, pr I pray that you've been blessed today with this, uh, such a powerful, powerful um, parallel that's been made with, uh, with uh, John chapter 13 and Isaiah. You know, uh, I want to encourage you because, you know, really, 
I think we're beginning to just grasp and understand really what Passover was always meant to be. I say this because I know a lot of people may be sad because we're not going to be at church on Sunday to shout. We're not going to be able to take our 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 props we use for skits. We're not going to be able to uh, to uh, to sing the songs of Calvary, the songs of resurrection. But let me tell you something. God is revealing to us what truly that even though we're not going to be in church, we're going to be in our homes, maybe to meditate, maybe to to analyze, maybe to consider what really Passover is. Amen. So we pray that you are blessed. I hope that you join us tomorrow. We'll be back again and, and be praying. And, and yes, go back and listen to this podcast again. And I'm sure you'll be able to, to get more information and more understanding of what God has told us today. Be blessed and keep looking up.